FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 361 of the podcast that goes snick. Snick, snick. I'm your host, Jason. I don't take no checks, Venable. And I'm joined once again by John. I take my regrets out every night and dump them in the trash, Wilson. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I showed that quote to my daughter. And she just <laughs> shook her head. <laughs> and I really wanted like, to say I really wanted to say regerts like the tattoo yeah. no regerts <laughs> right <laughs> doesn't that sound like something Bruce Willis and Quentin Eastwood would say if they were making out with each other right <laughs> <laughs> which they often do I've heard I wouldn't assume so yeah Clint <laughs> Eastwood anyway. likes the shiny head <laughs> right and Bruce Willis likes the homophobia and racism. Wait. Oh, I, is that? Okay, I guess I don't pay enough attention to him. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is not a nice guy. And I'm sure Bruce Willis doesn't like that, but you know. Right. Just, Clint Eastwood is not is not a great person. Sorry. But anyways, Wolverine. So, yes, flashback episode. Uh, we're going to catch up. Um, after our slight deviation into Peter David Land, we're back to Hammond time. And um, okay, and, okay, I read that episode, that issue today. Okay. What even was up with that? I don't know. Um, hey, I gotta go on vacation. Who wants to write Wolverine? I will. <laughs> but it's like he acts like he's setting something up, and I couldn't find he? any evidence yeah. that he's setting anything up. No, I think it's just. Um, I thought, you know, I mentioned this on on the last flashback episode, I think the, the most interesting thing about it is it's kind of a preview of the new X-Factor team because it's the same, you know, Peter David and Strowman start off the new direction in X-Factor, so that's kind of cool, but as far as the story, it's just kind of like, okay, well, I, I guess they needed a needed an issue real fast. <laughs> yeah. So, I think it was kind of a, a, a casualty of of Sylvester not quite able to keep up with the bi-monthly schedule. Right. So, and as I'm sure you can attest to on all the pouches, um, he's not the slowest. I mean, there's, there's definitely people at, at image much more egregious than him and missing deadlines, but he definitely missed his share. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the deadline missing notoriety was in that first year, year and a right. half getting off the ground. By the end of 93, books are hitting stands. Yeah. Books are hitting yeah. stands pretty regularly. Um, and, you know, the Max is probably the... Oh, no, Pitt is by far the worst offender. <laughs> but the Max is probably second worst right now. Right. Where I am in my podcast. Yeah. Not well, now, I like... Mean, right. Now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that and uh, Wetworks, which you haven't even started yet, right? Yeah, it hasn't even come out yet. Of course, he had, like, family trauma and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. But as much as I love all the pouches, that's not what this is. (laughs) But go listen to it, everybody. Definitely go listen to it. Um, I'm 
I think you just put some out that I have not got to yet. But um, other than that, I'm caught up and looking forward to to reading because I think you're about to start 93. Is that am I remembering? 94. Right? 94. 94. I just four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just getting into 94. I think um, January's out there. I'm working on recording March. I I, I forget. I lose count. Right. Well, you know, you have a lot going on. <laughs> so, but tonight we're going to talk about Wolverine 45 and 46, um, which will be the, kind of the next two chapters in this story on the march towards 50. And then uh, 47 will be another sidebar. And then we'll get uh, 48 will roll, roll pretty hard into 50 from there. So... I guess we'll start with 45. You good? Uh, yeah, that seems to be the next number to start with. All right. <laughs> so this is Claws Over Times Square. With script by Larry Hama. Breakdowns by Mark Silvestri. Finishes by Dan Green. Letters by Pat Brousseau. Colors by S. Uccioletto. Um, and our cover is by Silvestri and Green. And on this cover, we have a helicopter holding a cage. In this cage, or breaking out of the cage, we have the Hunter in Darkness. Falling out of the cage, we have Sabretooth. On top of the cage, we have Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike. It's a fairly busy cover, but I think it's a pretty good cover. What do you think? Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there, um, especially with all the bars being bent out um, and the shreds coming off of Death Strike. There's just a lot of extra lines. Right. Um, but I think with the coloring, it, it tends to pop well enough as far as Sabretooth and the Hunter go. Once you get up to Wolverine and the um, the color with Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike and the logo itself, it tends to get a bit muddied. Yeah. I can see that. I do think it's kind of cool, though, the lack of detail or the way they chose to do the detail. The the spinning helicopter blades is just like half of a line circle. That's kind of a cool effect. Yeah, I have like a partial arc. Right, yeah. On the digital one, yeah. It's just kind of a hint of the blades. It's not really very... Right, yeah, like showing how fast they're going. You can barely see them kind of thing. Exactly. Made me think of like an airwolf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in this one, Jubilee tries to talk Wolvie out of making a bad decision when he hears the hunter in darkness has been captured and will be on display in Times Square. Meanwhile, Ballistic from Cyberforce, or I mean, uh, tough as nails, a lady assassin, props up her sniper rifle. Sniper rifle, not a sniper rifle. Sniper rifles are not real things. A sniper rifle. Meanwhile, in Morlock Alley, Albert is working on a new body for LCD. Also, meanwhile, Sabretooth resurfaces and breaks up a mugging. But he's not a hero. He just wants a quick cash grab. So he he doesn't really save the muggy. He just uh, takes the money from the mugger as well. Um, You know, as Sabretooth would do. Um, as Parvenu brings the beast to Times Square with his new business-slash-sexual partner, Lady Deathstrike, Wolverine, Jubilee, and Sabretooth all arrive at the same time, because that's what Hama time is about. The Lady Sniper shoots the beast, and all hell breaks loose. 
Wolverine jumps in to save it, drawing the attention of both Sabretooth and Deathstrike. As he... Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, back in the sewer, as Albert taps into a main power line below the city, he blacks out Manhattan. Jubilee pops some fireworks to see, but this blinds the pilot of the helicopter where the cage is hanging, causing him to walk into a war tower, see the hunter in darkness free. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, not a whole lot going on with that. It's just kind of setting up a fight. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it's interesting that I guess a callback to the story, the Hunter of Darkness story, which which at the time kind of seemed like a one and done, right? Like just kind of a, oh, it's kind of an oddball story of Wolverine. Like it, it showed some past, but you didn't really expect the Hunter of Darkness necessarily to come back. So it's kind of cool that it, it calls back on that. Um, it does seem kind of like a, a weird left turn into what number 46 is going to be, where you actually get some more like kind of mysterious revelations. This one's really kind of light on, on intrigue and more of just, hey, here's what's going on. All right, we're, uh, we'll see you back next time for a big old fight. <laughs> Yeah, we're setting up the characters and we're setting up, I mean, we have the mysterious gun woman and we have Sabretooth still thinking that Wolverine is his son. Um, we have Lady Deathstrike and of course they all have relationships, antagonistic relationships. So they're yeah. going to, you know, talk about that and explore that next issue. This issue really is just putting everyone into position. Yeah. Um it, we spend a lot of time talking about Wolverine's motivation. We spend a lot of time talking about Jubilee, you know, being concerned about him. Um, but her concern isn't really so much of anything except for Wolverine be careful, which is right. a little bit weird because Wolverine, I mean, he's done this a couple times before. So why the overblown concern for him? I guess she's just still getting used to the fact that this guy yep. can die and come back. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, as what we've seen in the most recent issues of the X-Men book, she's still also kind of, her relationship is kind of readjusting now that it's not just the two of them or, you know, in, in the case of the end there, the three of them with Psylocke. Um, so I think she's trying to figure out like how she still fits, how they fit together. Um, and the thing, the cool thing about this book is, as Jubilee is not as involved in the X books, like this is really becomes kind of her home, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. um, so we're kind of getting getting some of the setup of that. Um, there is some really cool art. I really like um, the page. I guess in page two in the printed version, uh, probably page three on your digital one, where. Um, Wolverine like jumps off the building like just some really cool art on that page. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I don't really have a whole lot of notes until um oh gosh. Uh I thought it was funny that the mugger had like a no no handgun sweatshirt on as he's pulling his knife out. Yeah, so like anti guns but definitely not anti violence. Uh, Right. <laughs> well, you know, he's just, he's an ironic mugger. 
just so you know, now? you're coming in fuzzy a bit. I'm not sure how well it's going to sound on the recording, but you've okay. gone in and out a bit while you've been talking. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, all right, cool. So well, you, for the listener, I um, had some technical snafus. I was starting to sound kind of bad on my phone because my computer was out. My computer's back on, so hopefully I will sound better the rest of the episode. And we're going to catch back up to Sabretooth um, getting some money. <laughs> well, just before that, I kind of like the uh, the Doc Frankenstein bit with... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ro- Robot Logan and LCD laying there and all the Morlocks just like huddling and just like <laughs> waiting to see what's going to happen. My favorite part about that is the the way Hammer decides to deal with Mask, who's been a pretty... Um, terrifying character and has kind of ruled the Morlocks through fear and has been pretty menacing at least if not to the X-Men at least in the X-Factor book has been pretty um, ruthless and then to see him now and he's like hiding with the Morlocks behind the corner and they're all like hey Mask go go take care of this and he's like alright I'm just going to wait and see how it goes <laughs> yeah he's like kind of scared of this guy you haven't seen you haven't gazed into his fluorescent eyes <laughs> right you don't know the pain. <laughs> yeah, pretty great. Pretty great. Um, the next note I have is because we're not that far away from it. I like how um, Jubilee gets mistaken for dead Robin. What? Uh, so Jubilee, when right before they're about to lower the cage, she's in the crowd and... um. Some guy goes, that's a familiar costume. Aren't you supposed to be dead? And I'm pretty sure that's a reference to uh, Jason Todd. Like, like you know, because Jubilee's costume has always been kind of like similar to Robin's costume with the yellow and the... Here it's colored more pink and green, or pink and blue, but... So. Oh, I just took that as a reference to the fact that the X-Men are supposed to be dead. Oh. But she wasn't part of the X-Men whenever they were supposed to be dead. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure that's a, a, a Death of Robin reference. And she's got a little medallion on her left breast. So, yeah. <laughs> or left side of her chest, I guess would be a better way to phrase that. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. That's funny. <laughs> Did, didn't, didn't I vote to kill you? I was like one, <laughs> I was like one of the 20 uh, votes that like beat out the election there. <laughs> yeah. Now this this relationship between Lady Deathstrike, what's her name? Y- Yukio or Yuriko? Yuriko. I always yeah. get her name and Yukio's name mixed up. Yeah. Yuriko was- and this random like game hunter corporate lord. Um, <laughs> it's very strange. It is really strange, and how to have happened pretty quickly. Right, because Deathstrike shows up in New York. She's like, I'm looking for Wolverine. I see this newspaper article. Ooh, I bet that'll catch Wolverine's attention, too. Um, Oh, I wonder how how quick can I find this guy, seduce him, and get in his pocket? Oh, okay, two hours works. (laughs) And, like, it's the sort of thing that I would expect her to have the upper hand in and like not really, you know, really be beholden to this guy, but just kind of using him, but not to get too far ahead. But at the end of next issue, she looks like she's a little bit in trouble with him. Right. Which feels weird. 
it does feel weird, and I don't. Being a, a somewhat of a Death Strike fan, I it, it is kind of an odd. Like, oh, she really didn't need him. She could have just like walked in, shown her claws, and said, "Hey, you're going to uh, drop this cage here. We're going to wait for Wolverine, or I'm going to slice your face off." Which right. she, which she kind of says something about. Um, what did she say? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stuff your face, or is that next issue? I don't remember. But I mean, she she kind of thinly threatens him. Um, it's an interesting. This kind of whole jumpsuit is interesting too, especially how her wide-shouldered samurai costume is somehow under all this in <laughs> this skin-tight black suit. Yeah, because um, you've got basically the Catwoman skin-tight effect going on here. Right. But then she pulls it off, and she's got like the padding and. Yeah. Right. Right. I knew how I knew like kind of the reference that basically she says, uh, once you go biotechnic, you don't go back, Nick. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um then of course Sabretooth in his uh nineties well, coach's pants. You remember everyone like I don't know how much football you watch, but I remember there was a time where like every NFL coach had like these striped Pajama pants. <laughs> they wore. <laughs> <laughs> he has quite the look in this. Well, of course, he steal. He stole those the guy's clothes. Yeah, yeah, he stole the mugger's clothes as well as his money. Uh, poor, poor guy should probably find a new career. Um, but yeah, or life. Right. <laughs> probably. I'm assuming yeah. he's probably not still sucking <laughs> Probably not. Sabretooth did grab him by the throat with his clawed hands before he punched the uh, the victim out. And the little dog went, yep, 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 yep. Um, yeah. And the, um, the, the shooter is just kind of in the background. We're not really given any information on her in this issue. She's just trying to shoot. And we think she's trying to shoot the hunter. Um, it's not entirely clear. She she misses her shot. Um, but yeah, in LCD and Arthur, is that his name, Arthur? Albert. Albert. Are trying to get, like, all the power. So he can, like, right. power her <laughs> nuclear reactor heart or whatever it is. Right. So that's just kind of funny going on in the background, trying to tap into the uh, power lines. But it, it helped... It, Inter- interacts with the plot because he cuts the power out of the city, which makes everything go dark for the rest of the fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, kind of a cool little mood setter, the way he plays the pieces together. Um, and then Jubilee tries to light it up, and Wolverine's like, oh, great, now they can both see what they're slashing at. <laughs> right, <laughs> because Sabretooth and Lady Deathstrike are both going after Wolverine on top of the Hunter in Darkness cage. Right. I mean, it's not a bad fight. I don't. I just don't know if I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> oh yeah, and it really just gets underway here. It's going to go yeah. through next issue too. Right. Um, yeah. Any other particular notes on this one? Uh, no, just a naked Logan pinup, but from Art T Bear. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice double plate, double page pinup of of Logan and ripped up clothes. Um, Got the nice fat blade claws that I like. Um, he's in the sewer with a cigar and some sewer rats. Actually, um, I liked his last pinup 
but I think this one's even better. I just the detail is just a lot crisper and cleaner. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, also, I know you probably don't have ads, but uh, I don't know if they did it because Larry Ham is writing this comic, or if this was in all the comics. But uh, an ad for a really cool GI Joe story, Operation Destro, uh, which kicks off in uh, GI Joe One Sixteen, which comes out around the same time as this issue, um, and it's kind of got a uh, a cool. Um, x-men homage poster it's got like a brick wall with a wanted destro poster and then destro in front of it with a spotlight on him um it's a pretty pretty rad cover for ugi joe fans i just read issue 38 this morning for the uh, transformers podcast so nice nice yeah that's um in the middle of the billy cobra commander's son trying yeah. to kill him and uh he's on trial and destro Helps, you know, put him in jail, but Storm Shadow like gains respect for the boy for not giving up any of his, you know, uh, conspirators and tries to set him free at the end. The cover is Destro holding Storm Shadow at gunpoint. That's a um, great cover. That's yeah. not Mike Zett cover, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Sometimes that's, that's they draw such a Dest- good comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a good comic. Sometimes they draw Destro with like somewhat broader features like he like the mask is based on a black man's face right and i've wondered sometimes if he's but then of course he's got his like big open shirt going on so right right and i think, but I think it'd be really cool to, like, he's scottish but oh that I, that's right i've seen him on on the on the moors right he's the laird yeah. of a castle in scotland isn't he right but in the comic, he always sounded kind of like he could have been African American as well. Mm-hmm. I thought so. I'm sorry, I, I meant cartoon. The cartoon, the you voice actor. You can't hear anybody in the comic <laughs> except for what's in your head. Um. <laughs> I, I, I hear people in the comics all the time. I don't get <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I really, I thought the art was really good in this issue. I thought the story was fine. Um. I don't know. What do you what do you want to give Wolverine forty five? A strong four. Yeah, that's where I was too. Four out of six claws for me as well. Um I do think it picks up though in forty six, so why don't we jump on into that? Well forty six has on the cover Wolverine and Sabretooth wrestling with some sort of living tentacle plant. Uh-huh. Um, it could be <laughs> that scene in Evil Dead. Um, but it's not quite that scene in Evil Dead. On the mound of uh, tentacle porn in the background is <laughs> somebody in a visored armored outfit with a gun, and there's like trees in the background. It says "Home is the Hunter." It's kind of a trippy cover. I, it's an okay layout. I just don't like it because it does not represent the issue inside. It's one little thing in one little spot that doesn't actually apply to the plot. Right. And so I don't think it's a very good choice for the cover. Yeah, and I would also say I don't know if it's the 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 spacing. The claws seem a little off on Wolverine's hand where they're extended. Like 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 his fist is seemingly maybe going in a little bit different angle than the claw. I don't know. That's a nitpicky thing. Yeah. It just struck me as like that's not quite like like. I guess claws aren't coming out straight. They're coming like pointed down or something. I don't know. It was weird, but um, 
But no, I, I, I do agree. It is definitely... I think especially had you been reading the, the series coming out of 45 and you see this cover and you're like, well, what, what happens? <laughs> and then right. you find out, oh, well, nothing really. I mean, actually a lot happens, but nothing represented on the cover. So it's definitely kind of a an interesting cover that, like you said, doesn't really seem to have a lot to do with the, the comic itself. And and the, the thing that it does pertain to is a seed for a future plot line. So it's basically like if you use an Easter egg from a storyline – as your actual advertising spot for that storyline. That would not <laughs> right. be... Um, if you have a single line of dialogue hinting that a character might be homosexual, you don't go to the media and say, hey, this character in our movie, we've got gay going on, check it out. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not what you do. Right. Um, but Home is the Hunter. Larry Hama is on script. Mark Silvestri is on pencils. Dan Orange! <laughs> Whoops. Wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Green. Uh, is on inks. Steve Buccioletto's on coloring. Pat Brasso lettering. Bob Harris on editing. And Tom DeFalco is editing and chiefing. Um, so the hunter in darkness is loose from his cage. And our three clawed compatriots decide to carve out a truce while they um, defend themselves from the hunter in darkness i say they try to um wolverine offers the idea but Sabretooth's <laughs> like yeah wh- whatever and they keep fighting each other and hunter in darkness like remembers wolverine freeing him from a bear trap and suddenly he's like on wolverine's side and starts going to town on the other two wolverine falls off the roof right into jubilee's face she's climbing up the fire escape trying to get to the top of the roof and wolverine like falls over on her so they talk for a second about how this is a really bad way to spend your friday nights and he dives back into the fight um down in the uh, sewers albert gets a nuclear reactor a particle <laughs> accelerator power to 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 generate power for her heart and um let's see there's more fighting the woman with the rifle starts shooting into the crowd but she can't really see very well and jubilee in order to mess her up throws her fireworks at uh her scope so now she's blind and really can't see we find out that Okay, because uh, the shooter person gets close enough to start yelling at the people, and she basically starts giving her backstory <laughs> that her dad was a hunter, had run into the um, something in the wood, and thought it was the hunter in darkness, but it turned out to be Logan. And we saw some parts of this right. in the previous story. Well, this event haunted him for years that like he wanted to find again the human creature in the woods um while she's talking about all this where he's like yeah i know your dad that was sergeant dylan of the royal canadian mounted police and she's like yeah that's right i'm emmy Doolin, and i'm shooting you with hand-loaded mercury tips <laughs> so Sabretooth and logan are like wait a second you've got poison in our bloods Cue the hallucinations. <laughs> and they start having synchronized hallucinations of instead of Emmy Doolin shooting at them, some sort of video game bad guy is shooting right. at them, like on the cover. Um, she talks about how her dad had a funeral after kind of going over the edge. 
and she heard about the hunter in darkness being delivered and shown off by uh, what's-his-brains, so she decided to hunt them down over here. Um, while she continues shooting at them, we get this big old hallucination from the cover where they're in a jungle and she's a video game bad guy like from Metroid or whatever trying to shoot them and they're being attacked by the plants and uh, Wolverine's got spikes coming out of him, all this crazy stuff. And Sabretooth starts calling him partner instead of Sunny Boy or Kid or whatever. And Logan's a little bit weirded out by that. Jubilee hits the woman from behind to stop her shooting, which is what uh, the reprieve that Logan needs to run up and slice her rifle with his blades and Jubilee punches her out. So Logan is like, huh? The stuff that Sabretooth was saying means that he's a lot more part of my past than I thought. And now he's gone. Well, oh crap. <laughs> so Lady Deathstrike is also gone. She gets run into by Parvenu, who says, You scan me good. Nobody's ever taken Ronald Parvenu for a ride. I think we can talk. And so they drive off for something menacing. Um, Albert is doing the uh, the Alita, what's her name, Battle Angel, Alita, Alita Battle Angel bit on LCD, giving her a new robot body. And um, meanwhile, they hear the Hunter in Darkness kill an albino crocodile and carry it off into the uh, sewers. <laughs> and that's kind of weird, but that's where the story ends. Yeah, it is. I love that Mask is such... A crocodile expert, he can know from the scree that it's an albino crocodile and not just a regular alligator. Well, you know, there are trends and voice tones that sometimes, you know, white people tend to sound a little bit different than some people of color. <laughs> so right. he can hear that in the alligator. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so one thing I noticed that his, he's been trending this way, but Sylvester's Sabretooth kind of goes full Wolfman artistically in this issue. Um, the hair gets a little tamer and more slicked back. The ears get pointier and almost like set down like a like a wild animal. Um, he just he looks very much like a werewolf in this issue, um, and I kind of like it. But it's definitely it's definitely something he's been kind of. Because the same thing has been kind of slightly evolving as Sylvester's drawn him, and this is kind of where he, he ends up for a little bit. So this is just mm -hmm. an interesting kind of kind of visual take on the character. Sabretooth um, has such a wide range of appearances over the years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's dude with mutton chops. He's barely human Wolfman. Right. He's just a bruiser with yellow hair. I mean, right. there's so many things that he so looks like. Sometimes he's huge, sometimes he's I mean, does he have large pointed ears or is he just a guy? Right, right. I mean, is he the actor from X Men and X Two and X Three, <laughs> or is he the actor from X Men Wolverine Origins? Right, it's just really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Wolverine's claws look awesome in this issue. Um, Sylvester is one of the he's one of my favorites of Wolverine's claws, but um, he definitely definitely brings his A game this issue. Um, you know, <laughs> something occurred to me that I should have noticed, and other people probably talked about ad nauseum, and either I thought about it years and years ago and forgot, or I don't know, but it never, 
it just struck me as odd as this issue because we get a couple of close-ups that I think is kind of weird that Jubilee shoots fireworks through gloves. <laughs> oh. Is that out of her skin? Yeah, right? Like, because the power comes from her. So it's just, it's odd to me that it would, I mean, I it makes sense that light can go through whatever. So um, it's not like a, that's bad or anything. I just, it never really struck me as odd until this time. And this time it did. No, you're right. Because it's like, I mean, Dr. Doom's shooting the stuff out of his gauntleted fingers. But the little hole opens up in the finger so he can shoot the gun out. <laughs> right. I guess she's just, she's just charging the ions in the air and yeah. creating plasma that way. But yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It is a little bit odd. Um, there's a line from Lady Deathstrike that I thought was in this issue, so I didn't look for it last issue. Um, but you know, there's a line where Pierce did a real number on her, but Spiral had already done a pretty thorough job. And I forget exactly what Pierce did to Deathstrike after she was initially changed, but I. I'm fascinated by her background that like spiral is such a bizarre, you know, fantastical character. Right. Mm-hmm. And she just like twists and morphs people and lady that strike got twisted and morphed by spiral. Right. Yeah. She went to the old body shop to get some of her, uh, cybernetics. I believe Pierce's involvement comes from after one of the early death strike stories. Where she gets cut up pretty bad, and I be- and please, listeners, uh, send some feedback if I'm remembering wrong. But I feel like Pierce like helped put her back together and added more cybernetics than was already maybe there. Um, okay, that's why she has like the robotically skeletal arms and, mm-hmm. and the, the circuitry all over her skin and chest yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, the boob circuits. Um, yeah, and that's also why she is so involved with the Reavers after her kind of initial story arc, I think, because she kind of falls in a lot with them and owes them some, you know, kind of a debt of honor kind of thing. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think her, her relationship with Pierce is kind of, you know, it's funny because the Catherine kind of gives some more credence to, to him and having, kind of having her seduce uh, this parvenu guy because she kind of does the same thing with Pierce, kind of, leads them on i don't they don't ever you know they're not as quite as um definite whether you know she ever slept with pierce or not but she definitely uses her attraction or his attraction to her to kind of manipulate pierce and not let him have too much power over her which is we know that pierce is a cyborg so i'd be curious just how much that's able to even happen right right not that curious of the details, just, you know, <laughs> right. general I'm, idea. I'm sure if you Google, you can find some fanfic about that. Yeah, rule 34 um. of Pierce and Deathstrike. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's cool. I mean, women using um, the men's weakness against them is a classic trope of powerful women, yeah. um, especially those who have, you know, an amoral center. Um but usually they are in control of that relationship. And so I don't really know what's going on with Parvenu at the end. He says, I guess now we can talk. And it's like, okay, um, talk about what? What are you? I don't know. <laughs> See, I read that a little bit like that, but also like, well, now we can talk instead of you just 
manipulating me and seducing me, we're actually going to have like a conversation about what's been happening and come to some term of agreement or something. But I don't know. I, I just read the emphasis. So he, maybe he respects her now for scamming her so well. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I often see, I don't remember how that plays out, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, but, oh, here it is. It's, it's actually that same scene. She's in a dumpster. Pierce rebuilt me stronger than I thought. Of course, Spiral's work was impressive to begin with. Yeah. I love that she has a banana on her head. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> instead of Lady Deathstrike, she's Lady Banana Head. Um, but um, let's see. So going back to the hallucination a little bit. Um, yeah, the joint hallucination that's yeah. cute whenever they find out they have poison tips. <laughs> right. Yeah, very convenient. But um, besides looking a little cyber forcey, um, we have the Security X, which is definitely... I don't know if you could say, like, it's, at this point, it's hard knowing. It's one of those things, like, it's hard to separate what you know from what you knew. Um, <laughs> so, to me, it's, like, super obvious that Security X would be a Weapon X tie-in. I would think that it definitely be a, it's a, definitely a very strong hint. I don't know if every reader would have gotten it at this point or not. I would say the timing of Weapon X being out right now would definitely probably raise some eyebrows for readers. Um, but the, the security X like emblem on the helmet and on the jacket, uh, definitely says some things. And they use the word Wrangler, which I'm pretty sure, don't they say Wrangler? I know we just talked about this not that long ago. Um, in the MCP issues, don't they use the word Wranglers for the guys that go back and bring Wolverine back into the base? That's possible. I would have to look it up. I honestly don't. Yeah. That, that's pretty detailed level of the uh, dialogue. I don't remember. Right. And, of course, he says project. That word gets dropped a couple of times. I think one of the most interesting parts about this hallucination, which is apparently some kind of flashback, because we have the spikes coming out of Wolverine, which we did see in Weapon X, as kind of a sign of the adamantium and his fight with the adamantium. So I thought it was really interesting that Sabretooth has similar spikes coming out of his back. Um, hmm. So definitely kind of a, you know, kind of wondering what maybe the intent was originally there. Um, I forget. I think there are different points in time where Sabretooth has some adamantium like on his claws i don't think it's i don't think he ever has a point where it's like on his whole skeleton but i could be wrong that could be something that's changed back and forth i'm not sure um but um but anyway i thought it was a really interesting visual because it definitely seems to indicate that there was some kind of similar experimentation done to Sabretooth that was done to logan which at this point what we know would make sense you know having the same you know, basically the same mutant power in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I had forgotten that Weapon X was on stands right when this was happening. Yeah. Yeah, some nice um, synchronicity. But I just looked it up, and the final chapter of Weapon X was released um, on stands at the same time as 45. Nice. nice. So that was, uh, that just wrapped up. As so, okay. So, whenever that's happening, Hama's getting ideas yeah. on how to bring that story back. He's planting seeds, but he can't probably actually tell his whole story until he knows exactly how it all is going to play out over there, which is why it's still several issues out. Right. 
Yep, it makes sense. Um, but as you alluded to earlier, we have the thing where Logan's about to say my pa 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 pa, and then he gets shot again, and then Pappy turns into partner. And then it's interesting that Sabretooth also mentions something about the programming on, um, let's see, for me it's page 18, which is the page where they come out when Jubilee tackles the assassin. Um, and he says, and he says uh, pro, those project gives the programming. Yeah, right. So we get our first kind of hint that, you know, what's going to turn into like the implanted memories and all that stuff. Ham- Larry's definitely, uh, he's definitely planting seeds, like you said. Um, definitely sowing, sowing some ideas and some concepts that will become a huge part of Wolverine lore for a long time. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, Marvel Comics Presents was 12 chapters, the Weapon X storyline. Mm-hmm. So it's been going for, let's say, six months. No, no, no. Right. Yeah, two chapters a month for six months. So as it starts coming out, you know, Hama's doing the the comics. He starts seeing the comics come out. I wonder because, I mean, spoilers, he's going to kind of overwrite a lot of that (laughs) stuff. So I wonder if he just didn't like it. I don't know. I don't know. Or if he was intrigued by by the weirdness of it all and wanted to make it even more weird. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because depending on how you read different interviews, and in fact, I was reading through some of the letters columns on these issues, and some fan is pretty irked by the fact that Barry Windsor Smith didn't wasn't playing nice continuity wise, <laughs> and so you wonder like how much that played, like what inner office things went into that. Um, whether Marvel's like, okay, we got this really popular story. It's pretty great, but it doesn't quite fit. You know, Larry, you want to make it fit? And he's like, yeah. Or or did he go and say, Barry, dude, I love this. Do you mind if I pick it up? Like, I'd be really interesting to be a fly on the wall, kind of the ex offices at that time, to see how how some of those background conversations went. Like, did they talk to each other? Was it all just kind of reading and taking? Or did they actually, like, you know, Past each other in the hall, and Larry's like, "Hey, Barry, Barry, Larry, um, what do you what do you think if I did this with your story?" And like, did they kind of have each other's blessings? Did they just kind of do what they want? I mean, it's, it's the dynamics of that has always been really interesting to me, and how how that kind of works or doesn't work or whatever. Yeah, but I've kind of imagined that a lot of those kinds of conversations are had at the editorial level. That like a creator right. who wants to make a change will approach the editor. And because, yeah. uh, I mean, it's like, regardless of blessing or not, if the editor thinks it's a good story, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, probably more so back then. I think nowadays you see a lot more of, like, similar books having, like, summits together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, Jason Aaron comes in and says, hey, all the writers, let's get together and I'm going to tell you what I'm doing in Thor over the next few years and let's all make it, you know work together or, you know, or Bendis doing something similar or, you know, kind of Hickman, whoever, whoever is kind of like the chief writer or the flagship writer <laughs> right. for Marvel. Everyone else kind of like gets in with them. Um, you, I don't think you had as much of that back then. I think it was more editorially mandated, whereas, whereas I think now 
writers drive a lot of it. They still have to get the approval, obviously. But I think more of those ideas are are like, here's a couple of big writers and everyone else kind of does what they want to do. But mm-hmm. who knows? But anyway, I thought this book was a lot more interesting than 45. And 45, I mean, we both gave it a pretty solid score, but but to me, this takes all that and kind of steps it up. It was a lot of fighty fight, but there's enough kind of nuggets and an interesting panel layouts, like the flashbacks kind of between the shots of the assassin and then the page where like you have a panel of a bullet popping out and then a flashback scene and then her shooting. And then you repeat that three times. I thought that was a really brilliant page, like just the layout of it. Um, like every shot she remembers something else almost like, I don't know. I thought that was really cool kind of storytelling the kind of thing you can only do in comics, right? Um, right. But um, I really enjoyed the uh, the color work. Um, like in the flashback, especially towards the bottom of that page, I know it's all kind of washed out in red, but when Wolverine and Sabretooth are kind of in the purple, um, it looked really cool, too. Mm-hmm. But, and the, the feralness of Wolverine's face with that bottom panel. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Pretty great. Um, it's funny, actually... I know they kind of get lumped together sometimes. There's almost like a Jim Lee esque art to that to that face. Um, but yeah, and the face work on um, Dylan on the previous page, as she's like looking at the paper and everything else, just some really good expression work on that. Right. Yep. Yeah, I think the art's pretty pretty top notch. So. You know, if he needed a break to give us that weird story about ghost babies, it, it apparently paid off. <laughs> so, well, any other particular notes about forty six? No, it's um, it was the the story overall was was kind of thin. Um, I wasn't entirely sure what purpose it served. Um, I'm I continue to be intrigued about. Uh, Albert and LCD just like still going right. in the background of the book. Um, so, you know, that has to mean he's going to use them again before he gets into the nitty gritty depths of his Weapon X storyline. Um, but I don't remember, and, and we're running out of issues. Right. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see how that goes as well. Because I don't have a lot of, of memory either. I mean, I, I think in my mind that's so overshadowed by uh, the appearance of Shiva and the Weapon X files that we're going to get in the next kind of big story that mm-hmm. I kind of forget what happens to some of the minor plot lines. Yeah, um, I didn't expect them to still be going at this point. <laughs> right. Well. But, um, but, I, but I didn't really enjoy it, though. I thought it was a very fun issue. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, it's very fun. It does a great Wolverine story and it's a fun little two-parter that ties in continuity. It gives ramifications to a story that has already come and gone that we just weren't expecting. So it sort of has that feel of, you know, the, like Star Trek, whenever they, you know, go to a planet and they leave the planet and they just leave everything behind and you don't really think about it. Well, this is one of those times where you left the planet behind but turns out you created a, a race of, you know, whatever's <laughs> right. So I, it kind of feels like that there, there's this, 
the world that Wolverine lives in is not an isolated world. He is an effector of change within that world. And it's an idea that's rarely addressed in comics. So it's kind of cool to see it addressed here. Yeah. Um, I want to give this one five stars, except that I want to retroactively refit my LCD vote from the, our last get together to six stars. Okay. Because listening back to that conversation, I was like, I really did like that story. <laughs> and it really did. I mean, it had emotional impact and all the stuff that I usually reserve for six stars. I don't know why I didn't give it six. And I gave something else five that wasn't nearly as good. <laughs> so, um, you know, this, this is all right. This is this is a strong story. I want to give it five stars. Okay. But LCD deserves six, and I should have given it to her. <laughs> Sounds good. So I'm actually going to give 46, six out of six claws. I, I think in my head, critically, I know it's not perfect, but I just really, really enjoyed it. And I thought the art, like 45 was good, like really good art. And I thought in 46, Sylvester stepped it up even more artistically. And there was enough kind of hints and subplots to get me excited. And it kind of took me back to like reading this the first time and just being like, blown away of what you know the weapon x tying in and and trying to figure out like because we're getting to a point where like the uh the comic book fan and the hypothesis generator in my in my teenage mind were really starting to hum because you have all this you start introducing we're not that far away from bishop and x-men and the idea of the uh the, the betrayer and the future and who that was going to be and i remember it never got printed but i wrote a couple of really long letters <laughs> <laughs> to marvel trying to like tell what i thought was going to happen and um <laughs> so yeah i mean it just my imagination really started to go into overdrive right around this time. Um, and so some of it's probably nostalgia based, but I really enjoyed rereading this again. So I'm going to have to gonna have to go with the full, full six, even though I know it's probably a, a little bit flavored by um, more than just kind of critical thinking. But, um, but no, I really, really enjoyed it and really enjoyed kind of, kind of rambling about it. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to be here. Um, I I knew I wanted to go back through these Hammer issues whenever you got to them. Um, and I, you know, when you're reading something through the first time, you're just on for the ride. Right. And you don't know where things are going and, and you don't know what things are building to. So now going back through it and being like, oh, okay. I know we're building to this Weapon X storyline and I realize he's seeding all of this and then to just now realize that like the Weapon X story isn't even all the way out there yet. So, like he's <laughs> right. seeding stuff that like I don't even know how much he knows what he's going to do yet. But um, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun going through this. So I appreciate the chance to come and talk about him. Yeah, definitely. So before we get going, um, why don't you give all the deets on all the different things you got going on all the deets and all the pouches yes yep okay so i have three podcasts that i do on a regular basis um the friday show is make hours marvel where i talk about silver age marvel with my friend michael kaiser uh we are in 1965 we have reached the end of those two early silver age series that 
slowly, slowly died a painful death. <laughs> and those are the Strange Tales Torch series and the Tales to Astonish Ant-Man Giant-Man series. We are recording our final installments of those this wow. month, and it's great. Um, wow. So in the very near future, we're going to get into Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Tales to Astonish Submariner series, uh, Jack Kirby's Hulk, Captain America's Modern Day Adventures, um, we are not nearing the end, but in the last phase of Ditko's Spider-Man, uh, just lots of lots of interesting stuff going on there. Then Thursdayly, I have returned to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, which I just launched at the end of October. Uh, that is a, a comic and cartoon podcast about the Transformers going through the UK comic publications which um, I'm, I recorded coverage of issue 26 today, which wraps up oh, their wow. first year. Um, Megatron has lost control of Decepticons to Shockwave. Shockwave is going to rule. Uh, Dinobots are about to show up. Um, and the episodes that are currently hitting the feed are my son's and my look at the first season of the cartoon. Nice. So that's all good stuff happening over there. And my third show, because I do three podcasts, Podcasts. Somebody asked me if I was going to do such and such other thing for a podcast, and I am, I am at my pod max. But um, my third podcast is all the pouches and image comics podcast, where every month on the first of the month, I release commentary discussions on a month worth of image comics. So uh, that has been going strong for over a year now, which is a little bit phenomenal. Um, we, uh, I'm getting into early 1994 dragon has died. Deathmate is <gasps> over. Um, killer instinct is crossing over between cyber force and Wildcats. Uh, the pit has finally come back from like almost a year of hiatus. Um, just really enjoying what's going on. Oh yeah. Chapel is in charge of blood strike because he got kicked out of young blood cause he has AIDS. Because the government gave it to him. So that's a thing. <laughs> Anyways, lots of lots of stuff happening over at Image Comics. If early 90s image is your bag, baby, come check it out. Definitely. All great shows. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I remember, because it's, it's issue seven where Savage Dragon dies. Yes. Because I remember at the time... Like, surely they're not going to kill him, but also in the back of my head, but Image has no, they haven't, they don't have any rules yet. Like, maybe they do kill him. Like, <laughs> just, I remember just being very, like, ah, what do they really do? Like, what if, you know? And of course, you know, obviously, as being one of the longest running creator owned comics of all time, we know that, that things turn out okay for at least a little bit. Um, but for at least but a I little remember bit. really I, I, not. I know in the current issues, he's dead. Right, right. But he, but he lives a lot longer. Because uh, I think his son, because the cool yeah, thing about Savage to... Dragon is that it goes like in real time, or kind of close to it. Um, he has to live long enough to have that son first. Right, right. Um, but yeah, but I just remember thinking, like, man, what if that's, what if that's really his death? Um, I also have a request, if you're, if you're willing to, to take it. Yeah. Um, I know on a, on a Make, Make Ours Marvel you know, I talk about the art, but I don't necessarily go, like, you know, real deep into it. 
as y'all start shield, I don't remember how long it is until Storenko takes over. But I would love for you and Kaiser to really kind of like give your thoughts and impressions on his kind of initial artistic oh, the, the out. Oh, Shield series? Yeah. yeah. That's definitely a ways out. But yeah, it's uh, okay. probably part and parcel of that conversation because this is such a visual trip. Yes. In addition really to, the, uh, to the story. Yeah. Yep. yep. Cool. Well, um, yeah, just to piggyback on all of that, definitely go check out all of all of John's shows and the smorgasbord of guest appearances that he's making besides uh, graciously giving his time to me. He's kind of a uh, just very, very gracious and, and friendly about uh, jumping on lots of different podcasts. So we're all, all better for it. Um, but uh, as far as the podcast that goes snicked, of course, uh, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast and show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. And, um, John, as always, uh, thank you so much for, for carving out some time to come on and, and talk about Wolverine with me. I really appreciate it. Had a great time. Looking forward to next time. Yeah, won't be too far, hopefully. I've been I've actually been kind of kind of staying on flashback schedule. Um been pretty proud of myself, so I probably just jinxed it. But um <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know, that's how it goes. So um but yeah, so until next time everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye bye. And snacked.